0: everybody it's Kirk Henderson for another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I am here with a very special guest. I'm here with Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll who is one of and I and I kid you not people. If there is an up and coming writer, analyst, reporter that I would follow in the media world, it's Harrison. He is one of the hardest workers on the internet. He has taken the SB Nation blog Silver Screen and Roll to kind of un, like ridiculous heights. He is really funny. I enjoy talking with him. He also is a low-key nemesis to another one of my Laker friends, uh, <laughs> Anthony Irwin, who he used to do a podcast with. Harrison, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I
1: don't know if I can vouch for all that nice stuff that you said, but I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure that you get this all the time when you bring people on, but I, I just got to say like, your podcast name is incredible
0: i really enjoy it i uh another uh uh, mutual acquaintance of ours adam mares suggested and i've never been able to do it just because it's so awkward to work it into the podcast he suggested that i make every guest defend their hottest take uh and and basically as as a means of curbing their own enthusiasm and i just can't actually do it because it's so you know i love that show but some parts of it are just like so painful to watch that i that i had to skip away from it um so for the people who are listening to this it's going to record it's going to post friday morning uh uh friday january 10th and the Mavericks are playing the Lakers in the late game on ESPN. It was a late flex. I believe It's actually a home game for Dallas. It's the fourth and final meeting between these two teams. The Lakers have won two contests with each team winning one game fairly decisively. And then the first matchup in Dallas was kind of, you know, the marquee uh, game of the early NBA season. So, the Lakers are just mowing people down. As, as of right now, they're 30-7. and seven, They're first in the, the NBA. They have one of the largest point differentials in the league. How are you feeling right now about where the Lakers are relative to what you were expecting?
1: Well, so your word choice is interesting about mowing people down because I always like hearing the outside perspectives on this team because, like, as somebody who's so embedded in this to the point that, like, I don't get to watch as much of the NBA, the general NBA anymore as I'd like Mm -hmm. to, I'm always, like, curious to hear what other people think about how the Lakers are doing, and my perspective, I, I honestly feel like is a little different than yours. Like, the Lakers record has been great lately, and really all season, as you mentioned, but like over the last several games, they've really, their, their problems when LeBron sits have become more and more pronounced as Rajon Rondo stopped hitting threes at like an insane rate uh, <laughs> that was never, you know, like no one ever could have expected that to continue. And as soon as it stopped, then those bench units stopped being like, okay, like they're kind of, they're close enough to neutral, that it's okay to now it's like, okay, we are in quicksand the sit se- the second that LeBron hits the bench. And, Like, overall, I'd say that the team has still outperformed my expectations for this season just because I didn't think that as a new roster coming together that they would gel this quickly. And there was all the talk about, like, Vogel's potential job security with Jason Kidd on staff and what does LeBron think of this hire and, like, all these guys have never played before. And it just seemed like it was a recipe for potential disaster, even if it was really talented. And as someone who has only covered the Lakers since Dwight Howard left the first time, I am trained now to expect worst case scenario. And so I have been pleasantly surprised, not only by how good they've been, but how much more fun it is to cover a good basketball team than a bad one.
0: Has there been much of, of, you know, worst case scenarios, really, it's really tough when you have two of probably the best seven, six, seven NBA players in the league, you know, that papers over a lot of problems. What have been the things that have really, you know, driven you and really the lakers fan base crazy even though you know the the lakers are number one in the west well
1: so for me since i'm not really a fan anymore there hasn't really been anything that's driven me personally crazy the thing that has driven the fan base crazy for sure has been the rondo minutes and on some level like i kind of get it because he's not good anymore um, and, but at the same time, the Lakers kind of need someone of his skill set. He's just probably not good enough to fulfill that role anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, the last couple games, you know, last game he played a little bit less, and he actually played okay against the Pistons, but or the Knicks, excuse me. Um, And then the couple games before that, Alex Caruso had been hurt. So it's like at that point, you know, Rondo kind of has to play because – Quinn cook and Troy Daniels have both been bad. Like Troy Daniels has at least tried hard while he's been bad, but like neither of them have been good. And so they're kind of forced into this situation where they have to play Rondo. And he's a guy that the fan base seems to have like, you know, he has as close to a universal, like unapproval rating as I've seen in quite a (laughs) while (laughs) really has. Yeah. Universal disapproval, universal disapproval rating, disapproval rating. I don't know. I'm a writer. Uh, and, so like that's definitely been the thing driving people kind of bananas, but, um, Like to be honest, I I think they've been kind of forced to play him just because of the skills that he brings, and they need somebody else to be able to handle the ball early in the year before Rondo started playing. They were getting full court pressed by teams and having to give the ball to Anthony Davis at mid court and have him like kind of bring the ball up to the three point line and initiate offense. And that wasn't working that well either. So even though they were winning, it just like it wasn't pretty, it didn't look fluid, any of that. And so that's why I think that you're seeing so many people looking and seeing okay, well, what can they get for Kyle Kuzma on the trademark? And you're even seeing the Lakers apparently initiate initiating those calls. And you're seeing people say, okay, well, they got to bring in Darren Collison. And this guy is being talked about as if he's the savior when, you know, he's a good player, but he also hasn't played all year. And, you know, we'll see if he's still in shape. Although I think it would be hard for him to be worse than Rondo has been on aggregate.
0: So I have some experience with Darren Collison, and I will tell you that in limited situations, he's going to be quite effective. Uh, I I actually think if that's the the kind of you know midseason acquisition for the Lakers, that's going to really work in their favor. So I have a number of questions for you because I'm just you know I'm the kind of Mavs fan who will incessantly complain about the Laker coverage, yet I also completely understand the appeal. LeBron James is in year three hundred of his lengthy NBA career, and this might be one of the most interesting seasons he has ever had. He, I think, he's leading. Yeah, he's leading the lead in assists right now with ten point eight. He's scoring twenty five a game. He's grabbing a little under eight rebounds. What is going on with the Lakers' offense to where he is leading the lead in assists, which is something I don't think he's ever done before.
1: Yeah, if I'm if I remember correctly, I believe that he has not ever done it before. I think he's probably come. I would imagine he's come close or been high up there a couple times. But I I think I also have read that this is like unprecedented for him. And, you know, it goes back to the stuff that we're talking about. They really they built this roster As the ultimate, like, kind of, you you know how, like, I'm not going to spoil anything, but Rise of Skywalker was basically like just a giant pushback on uh, The Last Jedi, if you watch Star Wars movies, it was like Mm -hmm. there were lines in the script and in the dialogue that were basically there specifically to say, no, that thing from The Last Jedi did not matter. Right. That's kind of what this roster is compared to Magic Johnson's like we're just going to bring in a bunch of playmakers and ease LeBron's load uh, like last season because last year they just brought in a bunch of guys that could kind of handle the ball but not really that well and they also couldn't shoot and it was kind of a disaster like even though you know they started off promising and I think they would have made the playoffs if LeBron hadn't hurt his groin but they just didn't look all that great. And there were a lot of factors going into that, but that was a large one this summer. They get Anthony Davis and the first big free agent that they sign is Danny green. Uh, I believe the first actual free agent that they came to terms with was Troy Daniels. And you just had this like run of basically they were going after guys who were going to shoot threes for them. And they kind of, at some point they either thought that Rondo could play a bigger role for this team than he has, or they just forgot to sign another like, or maybe they thought Caruso could do more or whatever, but they just, really neglected on getting a secondary playmaker at all to kind of spell LeBron when he's off the floor, because they tried Avery Bradley at it a little bit that predictably did not work. Uh, Quinn cook kind of had his moments, but has been completely out of the rotation. Troy Daniels can't do that. Alex Caruso is a nice player, but he is more of a complimentary player than like a traditional lead guard and Rondo, you know, like I said, as soon as he stopped shooting threes, well has kind of like become useless. And so, Like that's why, if you want to know why he's leading the league in assists, it's just because he has to, like, he has to create these plays. Somebody has to handle the ball handling load for this team. And that's why you're seeing him, I think, lately play a little bit more minutes than the Lakers would probably like, just because, you know, these bench units have really struggled for air without him. And like, he's been incredible as a playmaker and just seems to be, I think, overall enjoying himself a lot more than he appeared to be last year
0: really something all right my my one of my curious questions I should transition into a question about Anthony Davis but something that I just haven't been able to process even though I've seen 20 Lakers games is the the combination of minutes between veteran lunatic centers Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee (laughs) <laughs> they're there. Are these is this real? Is this something that's like actually going to sustain through 82 games? What is happening? I mean, they're we're looking fantastic. Yeah, we're almost at 40
1: games, right? So, like, at right. this point, I think that we have to say that it's real until like one of them gets hurt or hampered by injury or something, you know, like knock on wood. Like, I, I don't want that to happen to them because it's been kind of cool to watch both of them redeem their reputations in their own different ways. Like, Dwight Howard. I, I thought Lakers fans were going to throw like whatever the opposite of a championship parade was when he was signed. Like people were upset that this was the guy that they were going after to replace cousins. He, like he, putting all the skill set stuff aside, just the way that he left, the way that he had talked since he left the team. Like Lakers fans, I don't think, wanted anything to do with him coming into the year. And it took like three preseason games of him playing really hard for people to completely turn. He was getting huge cheers in his first game at Staples Center. Like, uh, you know, and he's been incredible to watch. Like he's tailed off a little bit defensively since the beginning of the year. But I think what you're really seeing is, like Vogel has almost Frankenstein to them into one center, where, like mm-hmm. if you look at their minutes, they're playing about as much, maybe a little more than like your average starting center. And they're kind of combining production and the reduced role, I think, has allowed both of them to shine. Like JaVale McGee has always pushed back on the idea that his asthma or whatever has limited him. But I think that we've seen him be more effective in these shorter spurts for whatever reason, whether that's the asthma or just like, you know, because he's able to expend more energy and has a more predictable role. Same thing with Dwight. Like he's come in, he's just like screened his ass off. He's tried to defend as hard as he can and he's made like, he, he's looked not quite like prime defensive player of the year, Dwight, but he's been really effective a lot of times for them. And like, you know, the other night, they basically put up like a triple double between the two of them. And that has been with blocks. And that has been like a not uncommon occurrence. And I think it's real at this point, unless one of them gets hurt or something.
0: Well, and given their age and just given the way NBA veterans tend to go, it would not be surprising if they did. And it also wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, because, Dwight Howard seems to have lost a lot of weight. Like he looks. He's moving he looks like a so player. well.
1: Yeah. he He's moving incredibly well out there. And like he he still like after every single game goes in like either lifts weights or shoots like extra like baskets or both after every single game. Like he is very, very locked in. I didn't get a chance to actually cover him the first time around. So I, get, I don't really have a point of comparison, but he's clearly like working his ass off to maintain the shape and stay where he's at.
0: Well, I've always had kind of a personal affinity for him because we had the same back surgery at around the same age. Now, I am not an athlete, but I do know what that did to my it took me three to four years to really figure out how to how to like use my body again, like running and doing different things and I just can't imagine what it would be like to be one of the best athletes on planet Earth, and he was for people that don't remember peak Dwight Howard there's a reason he's a first ballot hall of famer
1: he honestly should have won that MVP over I maintain still over Derrick Rose the year that Derrick Rose won it
0: like he was a terrifying player when yeah. he was at his peak he 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 really helped usher in the modern NBA offense because they just you know the magic you know just basically spread offense around him and that sort of thing so I'm I'm, I'm really I'm hopeful for him big picture that he's able to make it through the year he, uh I was just going to say he seems to have made like a
1: genuine change in his like, like he just the way that he talks and the way that he's talked about his past and how he like really went through some dark times. I, th- I think he had some realizations about himself and what he really wants out of the last couple years of his career here. And, you know, he deserves a ton of credit for making it happen.
0: Absolutely. Well, I would want to ask you a little bit about Anthony Davis, but but as of the time of recording, it seems like we're a little bit of a toss-up as he's going to play or is it? You know, he he fell really hard on Tuesday night, but he's making the road trip with the Lakers. Do we think he's going to play? As yeah. Of so as of now, right now, he's
1: questionable with a gluteus maximus contusion. Um, mm. so like you know, a severely bruised butt. And, uh, you know, and that hard fall I, after he fell down, I definitely did not expect him to play for a couple games with like how long it took him to get off the floor, how gingerly he was walking to the locker room. There was the report that they took him out to his car in a cart like I was like, okay, this guy's not going to play for a while. And so I mean, in the most Lakers thing ever, they listed him as questionable anyway, because that's just what they do. They always (laughs) list guys as, it's either questionable or day-to-day or whatever. Like, there's never a, here's when they're coming back or here's when we think it'll probably happen. It's always like, all right, well, you know, maybe they'll play, maybe they won't. Who knows? Who can say, really? Um, And so, like, I, I honestly don't know if he'll play. My guess would... If I had to, if I had to pick right now, I'd say he probably will just because he has been so determined to shed this injury prone label. I think possibly to his detriment down the line. I mean, I obviously hope not, but he really has tried to play through stuff. He's been listed on and off with like rib issues, shoulder issues, uh, ankle stuff all year. And he's pretty consistently played through almost all of it uh, other than missing a couple games here and there. But I I really think that he does not want to miss very many games. And the fact that he's going with makes me think that he's really going to try and do everything that he can to get out on the floor in Dallas, which like, you know, they have a back-to-back. They, they played the Thunder the next night. And, you know, I, I don't know about all that and him going through a back-to-back with this whole thing. So that I'm sure complicates the decision. But um, if I had to guess, I would guess he would play. But that's not really based on inside information. It's just based on
0: patterns this year. Do the Lakers play the Mavericks first or the Thunder first?
1: Ma- they play the Mavericks on Friday and then Thunder on Saturday.
0: Okay, so both the Mavericks and and the Lakers have a, have a back-to-back. The Mavericks play the Sixers on Saturday, so they're in for a, a fun little back-to-back there. Uh, so we, the Mavericks and Lakers have played three games. Like I mentioned before, there was – the first game, which was kind of the the Luka Doncic national coming out party. The, uh, the iconic Lakers-
1: I I will not remember that game for that. I'll remember it for Dwight Howard's like Gleefully illegal screen on uh, on Seth Curry that the NBA had to come out and say like yeah that was that was definitely a foul. I mean to this
0: on. to this day I cannot get Anthony Irwin to admit that that was a foul, which is just so fantastic. Makes that's me actually
1: feel. that's honestly peak Anthony. Like he it's...
0: basically his modus operandi is to. <laughs>
1: just basically he reminds you constantly of any time he was right and any time he was wrong he just does not acknowledge or he you know claims that there was a material change or that you know in some weird way he was ultimately right like i called him out on saying that his take like earlier this year he he had a take from a couple years ago where he said Julius Randle was going to regret not playing in summer league during his second season after missing <laughs> his rookie year and he said well he's not on the lakers anymore so he probably does regret it and i'm like
0: Well, okay, so we have a three game sample and one game was close and really was, you know, one of the best one of the most fun basketball games I've seen. Yeah. The second game was an odd day game either before or after Christmas to I think Anthony Davis and LeBron after the game. It kind of it was one of those things that trickled out where both of them were sick. You know, the Mavericks just like ran the Lakers off the floor, kind of had one of those that one of they have they have third quarters now and again where they just kill teams. And then the third game was one of the dumber NBA scheduling decisions in terms of national TV, where both teams were playing. Uh, on the second night of a back-to-back where they were each traveling. And it was, I don't remember the final score of the game. I'm too lazy to look it up. Oh, I
1: didn't realize but, that the Mavericks were dealing with that same circumstance. Yeah, that really was terrible. Well, they
0: played in Golden State the night before. Yeah, no, no,
1: you're right. I do remember this now.
0: It was stupid though, because like most of the Laker or most of the Mavericks starters didn't even play. So like they shouldn't have been. But I mean, that's just kind of the excuse when you, when you see like kind of a road game like that. And it was kind of one of these horribly ugly games where the Lakers only won, I think, by 13 or 14, but they also essentially had a lead like that for 40 minutes. And yeah. it was, it was like suffocating. And, you know, that was the one game that I've seen this season where, on a passing lane uh, uh, sort of, a, you know, performance, the Lakers had Lucas' passes and his drive and kicks, you know, scouted to a T. It was one of the most brilliant performances I've seen all season. So I guess the question that I have for you is, are the Lakers this good defensively or is it kind of a factor of, you know, that they, they, they get on these streaks where they just punish teams offensively and that the other teams just aren't really able to catch up?
1: No, I honestly think it's the defense thing. Like th- this team has very clearly tried to lock in and make like, like, you know, every team talks about focusing only on defense in training camp and how, you know, their offense is going to be behind because of it. I feel like that's like probably 90% of the league goes through that cliche, but the Lakers really seem to have done it. And they do really seem to be locked in on that. end. LeBron, especially like is so much more active and engaged. It's like night and day compared to last year when he kind of justifiably was like trying to conserve his, energy a little bit. And this year, he doesn't have to do that as much because he has Anthony Davis to kind of help shoulder the load. Uh, and, you know, he's been quarterbacking schemes. Anthony Davis, I'm convinced, can rotate onto anyone for a possession. Uh, and like, I would trust him with my life on the line. Uh, and like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, especially lately, have just been throwing a block party at the rim. Like they had 20 blocks against the Pistons a couple nights ago. And like I really do think that they're this good defensively. And they really seem to be good At figuring out what a team's offensive weakness is and really targeting that almost like they're an offense targeting a defensive weakness but like they scouted out almost an opposite
0: no no that makes sense to me that's a very like football thing to do where like the patriots do that where they essentially take out the best option and it it has all these cascading effects downhill which was absolutely what happened in the third third game for Dallas where yeah,
1: they they kind of did uh, it reminded me of how teams a little bit would play LeBron earlier on in his career where they try they kind of use his brain against him where he mm-hmm. knows the smart basketball plays to make the simple pass or whatever but then they immediately start denying and it was in this case it was with uh, with Doncic, and they were immediately did I pronounce that right Yes. Yeah. OK, cool. Um. And they were basically immediately um, like denying it started denying him the ball. Avery Bradley was great at this. Alex Caruso did a good job of it and trying to make sure that he couldn't get it back. And that just I think like basically strangled Dallas for that game, among other things.
0: That was so it's after the fact now I feel OK talking about this without like raging. But in the first half of, game, of the third Mavs Lakers game, Bra- Avery Bradley essentially was like playing you know doing karate moves on luca and he had one he had one foul call and then in the second half when it, the game the game was basically out of reach in the second half i mean the mavericks could have gone on a run basketball is complicated but uh they put carla put in jj Barea. i felt like as a as a plan to make a point and Uh, Avery Bradley finished that half with five foul, or I'm sorry, finished that quarter. He finished the third quarter with five fouls. He picked all of them up on JJ. Uh, (laughs) Just kind of one of those dumb little things where it just made me laugh after I don't
1: remember this specifically, but Avery Bradley, like he has been, him and Danny Green both have been very prone to those games this year where they kind of defend the same way every night. And like, they just figure out real quickly if the refs are going to have a quick whistle on it or if they're going to let them play. And usually it's... It either results in one or two of them leaving with early foul trouble or, you know, they get away with it and the Lakers have one of those like physical kind of grimy defensive nights.
0: Well, I don't want to do anything ridiculous like, uh, you know, make predictions on this game because I feel I, I I hate those a, and I'm just never very good at them, but I will say I want to make a little bit of a proclamation before I end the game. I am sort of hoping for a Mavericks Lakers first round playoff series. I think these two teams play really fun basketball whenever they're not tired. Is that crazy?
1: No, I mean, I think it's probably like if you are somebody who wants the Mavericks to win their first round matchup, I think that is a little bit crazy. But like, I I would not mind watching a couple games of this. I think the Lakers just have like a a different level even still that they can ratchet up to. And I just haven't seen it defensively from the Mavericks this season where they're going to be able to stop them. You know, when the Lakers really are not playing around and they're just like, okay, we're going to Anthony Davis and LeBron James pick and roll you to death and you're going to have to figure out a way to stop it. Like they they still have that, that they can go to. They don't do that enough. They do not do that enough. I think that's by design. I think they don't want to because they want to see if they can find other things that work. Like they know that's going to work and so i think that they're sacrificing that a little bit in the regular season just to kind of bust it out as a weapon for the playoffs kind of like how you saw golden state do quite a bit in the later years with the death lineup like they didn't want to overuse it during the regular season and stuff like that or like you know the kevin durant steph curry pick and roll um like they wanted to figure out other stuff that they could make work and i think that the lakers are taking a similar approach in that way
0: yeah that makes sense to me i mean when i'm looking at like the top 4 in the west i i don't like the nuggets are probably an okay matchup for, for, for Dallas, the rockets. I I just, I don't know how you play against James Harden over seven games and the Clippers, as you well know, I think the Lakers are zero and two against them so far this season. The Clippers just have a, a legion of six foot eight guys to throw at your best ball handlers. And Luca, the one true game this year, there's been two games where I felt like the Mavericks absolutely were beaten as opposed to beating themselves the first game was against the 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 game three in the Lakers that we're talking about right now and the other was the first matchup against the Clippers where the the Paul George like Kawhi Leonard combo like made Luka so mad that he didn't do media availability so I don't don't want to do that is is my point yeah Um, the the Clippers are the Clippers are really good
1: like I, I don't think that the Lakers are as far off as I think some you know, like a popular thought is like, I think that game on Christmas was a little closer than most people kind of remember Absolutely in retrospect.
0: The Lakers were winning. Yeah. They, just, I, they I, stopped winning. Like There was a lot.
1: Work. They had a lot of bad luck down the stretch of that game. And like a couple really dumb fouls that Danny Green was really hammering himself for after the game that I'm not sure, like, you know, you'd get that confluence. Like I, I again, I don't think they're far off. That's off topic for this podcast. No, but, I love it. I love yeah. it.
0: No, that's that's where I'm at with this. Well, Harrison, thank you so much for taking – oh, my good God. I'm watching the Milwaukee-Golden State game, and I just saw Giannis Attentacumpo airball free throw and clutch time. Sorry.
1: Um, Wait, is there clutch time in that game? It's close. Eh,
0: they're up by eight. Clutch oh, is not okay. really accurate. But, I mean, yeah. it, he was he was off by a good foot. Like, it, it barely hurt the bottom mm-hmm. of the net.
1: Maybe Shaq is right. Uh, You know, he really is the modern day Giannis.
0: (laughs) Well, this has been uh, Harrison Fagan of SB SB Nation of Silver Screen and Roll. You're going to hear his name at some point. I'm going to predict that you're going to write for a ridiculously large newspaper. And I'm going to get to say that I knew you then. Uh, Is there anything I can uh, anything you want to plug before you get on out of here?
1: Uh, just, you know, check out, uh, you know, I don't know why Mavs fans would necessarily check out Silver Screen and Roll, but silverscreenandroll.com is uh, where I primarily write. So if you want to get a little bit of Lakers news to check up on before, you know, the team takes on the Mavericks, like, you know, we are going to be having plenty of stuff there. We have a fun story on Alex Caruso coming tomorrow. Really uh, good long form feature on uh, Lakers prospect Taylor Horton Tucker, who I'm sure all of you are fascinated by um but yeah we we've been trying to just cover this team with as much depth and like frequency as we possibly can and you know i'm just like really really proud of this team that i have for another couple months and um you know i, I just check out the site
0: you should be silver screen and roll is my favorite lakers blog uh darius i hope you're not listening over there at forum blue and gold well he's uh, part of the team now too so that's fine oh yeah okay darius you know you know what i mean though i and yeah. you guys really do do great work i love it because in the world of of you know team-based sports coverage, it's very easy to become lunatic fans. And you guys provide balanced, fair, smart like Talon Horton Tucker coverage. I read that story. He was a he was a guy that that a lot of Mavs people were hoping for in the second round. He's such an interesting prospect. God, I could talk to you about this stuff forever. Um, all right, because I don't want to take up too much of our fans' time. Thank you so much, Harrison, for joining us. This has been Kirkier Enthusiasm, episode twenty one and i hope you uh you know you like subscribe you tell your friends we're slowly gaining followers i have no idea why people like listening to me but uh, i appreciate all the support everyone have a great weekend